0: Hi, and welcome to the U.S. Center for Safe Sports podcast series. Here at the center, we are dedicated to making athlete well-being and safety the centerpiece of sport culture. Our hosts are experts in the field who will connect with athletes, parents, volunteers, officials, staff members, and coaches to gain thoughtful perspectives on getting the best experience out of sports. Get ready to learn valuable information, shareable tips, and helpful resources to keep you engaged in the game. Happy listening, and welcome, Leslie. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Keeping Your Child's Child Safe in Sports, presented by the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. You can find us online at www.uscenterforsafesport.org. We're here today to discuss how parents can approach the topic of child safety with their middle school athletes, and we'll begin by reviewing their physical safety. Joining us today is Professor Jeff Noble from Wichita State University. As we have said about all stages of child's development, both as an athlete and as a human being, parent-child communication is essential. For all you listeners with middle school athletes, we know that communication can sometimes be a daunting task. Spending time with peers and being accepted by them is all consuming during middle school. So how do you keep the lines of communication open and protect your athletes' health and safety? Professor Noble, can you share some tips?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, As parents, I'm sure, understand, the need for peer approval at uh, this age certainly dominates these middle school years. And athletes at this age are less likely to call out a teammate for any type of bullying behavior if they think it might impact their relationships with other teammates. Also, they might fear reporting a coach at that time when they are focused on securing playing time and earning a future spot on a high school team. Now, even though your team may not offer to share their feelings and experiences like they used to, it does not mean you should give up trying to keep the lines of communication flowing. Make sure to check in regularly after practices and games and not just see if they scored or won. Model the kind of conversation you want to have with your athlete. Now, this means putting down your phone, making eye contact, and showing them that you are genuinely interested in what they have to say about their sport, their school life, or friend group. Now, depending on where your athletes practice, you might also be spending a great deal of time with driving with them. Car rides offer a perfect opportunity to engage in more sensitive conversations because your athletes aren't usually looking directly at you. They are more likely to open up and feel comfortable sharing when there is less direct eye contact. Meals are another opportunity to engage in extended conversations. Even if your agenda is to find out how your athlete feels about a coach or trainer or their experience on a team, you might begin with a totally different subject to get him or her in the mood to share. Share something about your day or ask their opinion on a light topic to get the conversation flowing Then you can gradually transition to talking about their thoughts about their sport. Eating and passing food is a distraction that takes the focus off of them so they feel freer to express themselves. And certainly, if your athlete's sport is one that you both play together, then find a field or court or wherever. In my case, it was often a swimming pool with my daughter and uh, get in and play and start conversations there.
0: Those are excellent (laughs) suggestions, (laughs) suggestions, Professor Noble, and we know that eating meals together is beneficial for family relationships on so many levels. We also know that many youth develop strong relationships with their coaches and trainers. And if they believe that a coach or trainer has their best interests at heart, how can you help them distinguish when a coach's conduct might have crossed the line from helpful training and discipline to actually abusive behavior?
1: That is a good question that you brought up. But as long as you have your athlete's love and trust and you serve as an engaged listener, you should be able to help them recognize the difference. Make it routine to review your family's discipline rules so they know when a grown-up's behavior breaks those rules. Make sure they understand that their safety takes precedence over making a team or securing more playing time. Often, all it takes is an empathetic year to make a difference. If you give your child the time to express their frustrations They may be able to process solutions at the same time. If your athlete comes home after practice and appears exceedingly happy, remark on their demeanor and inquire enthusiastically as to what made the practice or game so good. If your athlete seems down, give them some time and space and then use dinner time, for example, as an opportunity to empathize. Saying things like, you seem upset when you came home tonight. What's up? It may be that a close friend got a top spot in the next meet or is starting in the next game. That gives you a window to brainstorm ideas for your athlete to get the opportunity next time. If your athlete mentions something that a coach or trainer did to either your athlete or someone else, the fact that they shared it with you opens the door for you to carefully, tactfully ask more questions.
0: Oh, acting as an engaged listener is certainly... Um... An important suggestion and and a great strategy. Um, For many parents, sometimes that's just easier said than done. Do you have any other helpful tips you can share?
1: Well, certainly, I'll try to bring some out here. Um, Another way to gain insight into your athlete's experience is to sign up to bring snacks to games or practices, or even host a team dinner, or sometimes they're called carb fests, as teams like to carbo load before um, their athletic competitions. In that way, you can find you can kind of be a fly on the wall listening to their banter and probably almost as, as important, observe the players' and coaches' dynamics. Whenever something rises to a level of concern for you, that is the time to, to introduce some broad, open-ended questions. If your athletes give you any pushback, you might need to remind them that their safety remains your first priority.
0: I suspect that most parents think of physical abuse as hitting or slapping, the kinds of child abuse that we typically think of as taking place in the home. But with sports, physical abuse may manifest itself differently. Can you offer us some examples of when a coach's behavior transforms from enforcing discipline and, and keeping team rules to actually physical abusive behavior?
1: That's an excellent question. It's very important to distinguish discipline from abuse. Now, if your athlete comes home and reports he or she was removed from the starting lineup, it's important to understand why. Removal for inappropriate behavior, late or mispractices, that's discipline, not abuse. However, requiring athletes to run excessive laps following a poor performance, you know, particularly when their bodies are already fatigued, um, and other things like prohibiting water breaks or directing players to re-enter games, when they show signs of an injury, these are all examples of coaching behavior that might cause physical harm to an athlete's body and can be considered abusive.
0: That's indeed dangerous. Can you also address the pressure to specialize in sports and how that can lead to physical injury as well?
1: Oh, definitely. This is a very timely question, and it's something that's gotten a lot of um, Attention, even on the national media recently, Um, so much so that the National Athletic Training Association recently released a statement of recommendations to reduce the risk of injury associated with early specialization in young athletes. Now, specialization, for parents who may be unfamiliar with the term, this refers to participating and or training in a single sport year-round. And as such, the Trainers' Association offers these six recommendations. First one, to specialization in a single sport for as long as possible. Second one, playing on one team per season. Third, limiting playing in a single sport to less than eight months per year. Fourth, limiting the hours committed to an organized sport to no more hours per week than the age and year. So, for example, a 12-year-old athlete should not participate in more than 12 hours a week of an organized sport. And then finally, allowing for rest and recovery time away from the sport to minimize physical injury risk as well as emotional burnout.
0: Excellent recommendations. Thank you for sharing those. One of the hallmarks... of the middle school years, are the extreme physical differences in children. They're the same age, but they experience the onset of puberty at very different times. These sometimes dramatic differences can set the stage for bullying, harassment, and potentially emotional abuse by a coach or teammates. We know that the smallest and slow to develop children may be snubbed by their peers, while the children awkwardly learning to navigate their quickly developing bodies might be shamed. What can parents do to support their athletes through this uncomfortable phase?
1: Middle school offers a time to revisit the concepts of helping words and hurting words, emphasizing family rules that discourage any kind of cruel teasing. It's also a time to model your appreciation of differences. Help your athlete recognize the different friends you have—not just their height and weight, but their sexual orientation race and religion whether a teammate wears a hijab to play or has recently come out as lgbtq you want your child to be supportive of all of those differences now it's also important to make sure your children understand that their teammates weight and body type are not for discussion as with other issues your athlete might not want to share they witness the coach shame a teammate for their weight but you should still encourage them to do so disordered eating may begin in middle school athletes told to limit their calories to succeed in their sport. Just as you caution your child about what coaches should not do, try to acknowledge when you observe coaches praising and supporting their athletes as well.
0: Thank you for those thoughts. Um, We've now talked about physical and emotional abuse, but we cannot conclude this podcast without addressing the very real fear parents have of how they can protect their athletes from sexual abuse. By this age, children may be developing attractions or crushes, even taking part in a a romantic relationship. Given the risk of peer-to-peer abuse as well as adult-to-child sexual abuse, what can parents do to keep their children safe from child sexual abuse?
1: Well, by middle school, your children will be spending more and more time with their peers and coaches, so parents have to take advantage of every opportunity with their children to stay connected. Even if you know you already had a discussion about privacy and secrecy, it never hurts to revisit these discussions and remind your children that they will never get in trouble for sharing something that ultimately protects them or their friends. Given that most middle school athletes have a cell phone with them at all times, it might be useful to create a code word that your children could use. If something happens at a practice or a post-game event and they cannot have a private conversation at a particular time, They can text you the code word, and that will be a signal for you to show up immediately, no questions asked.
0: That's a great suggestion, I know many parents employ that for many, many reasons. Um, Can you also talk a little bit about arousal and consent and how parents should address both with their middle school athletes?
1: That's a real important question. Now, certainly the key message for middle school athletes is that arousal does not mean consent or even real interest. Again, it's a message that you should begin teaching much earlier, but it's important to reinforce because many abusers are skilled at convincing their targets that because they are aroused, they are willing participants. That's just not so. I know these are tough conversations to have, but at moments like these, parents need to find the courage to have that uncomfortable talk. It's crucial for your athlete. Make it a part of your routine to check in on your athlete's relationship with his or her coach. If anything sounds an alarm, like he offered to give a private lesson before the next meet, or the coach keeps commenting on how an athlete looks in a new leotard or swimsuit, you may need to make sure your athlete knows what is and what is not okay and report any abusive behaviors to the league authorities, which includes the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. private lesson approved by a parent in a public place is okay. A secret private lesson is not. Now, uniforms for sports such as volleyball, gymnastics, and swimming, these include design features that would not be a part of a child's typical wardrobe. As such, peers and coaches should only comment on your child's effort and performance, and you can role-play what to do if either makes inappropriate remarks.
0: Tough but important conversations indeed. Are there any other steps? parents should take to prevent child sex abuse that you want to share with parents today?
1: Certainly. One of the most important steps you can take is to continue expanding their circle of safe adults. For many reasons, teenagers benefit from having others close, other close adult relationships, such as close relatives, neighbors, teachers, with whom they trust and feel a close connection. Even in the closest of parent-child relationships, The shame that often comes with being sexually abused might make teenagers uncomfortable sharing with their parents. It's also wise to be in touch with the parents of your athletes, teammates, and close friends. You can serve as protectors for each other's children and share observations.
0: Thank you, (sighs) Professor Noble, for taking the time to share your insight and experiences. I am confident that the next generation of athletes will benefit from your wisdom. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you US, very much. Thank you, Vanessa and the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. And remember, please contact the U.S. Center for Safe Sport at training at safesport.org and let us know what you would like to hear on future podcasts. And finally, thank all of you parents for listening.